Today we're going to look at the expectancy that can build when we're looking at the birth of Jesus. And we're going to look at the account of Simeon and Anna in Luke chapter 2. Both these individuals were so uh, in tune with God's Spirit, so full of expectation and even determination to see the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. That was their primary focus. So today we're wrapping up the Adore message series, and you can turn to Luke 2. We're going to stay seated today for the sake of time. Luke 2, 25 to 40. If you've got a red Bible, uh, I believe that's uh, on page 851. And if you have your Bible app, just open that up right now. We're going to follow along first with the uh, account of Simeon, and a little bit later we'll look at Anna. So read with me as I, or follow along as I read at this time. Luke 2, 25 to 40. At that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms, praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what had been said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. So Simeon has been waiting for this. The expectation in his life has been building as he has been faithfully waiting and looking for the Savior. He appears to just be a regular guy from Jerusalem, likely an Israelite, not a priest or in religious service because the Spirit actually led him to the temple. He wasn't there all the time. But we do learn some unique identifying factors about him. It says that Simeon was looking for the Savior. In fact, he was eagerly waiting for the Messiah. So counter to the culture around him, Simeon was focused. And he was focused on following the Spirit in his life. I think he was quite an incredible individual because of this fact of his sensitivity to the spirit at this point in history i think we can infer given the context that he was elderly he even made that comment about hey now i'm ready to i'm ready to die in peace i've seen the savior so he was an elderly faithful follower of god so i want to make a quick quick comment on aging here i can talk about aging because apparently i'm about to become old i'm turning 40 soon And multiple sources, most of them related to me, have confirmed that, yes, that makes me old. So no offense to you if you're older than 40, but I'm there with you. Um, Apparently 40 is is old. So here's the thing about aging. I think as 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 we age, wherever we're at, whether you're in your 20s, you're in your 70s, as you continue on, you don't magically become uh, an incredibly, uh, you know, patient, loving, kind, follower of Christ. You have to cultivate that. As we age, we kind of become a more truer version of ourselves. And we have to, we have to, in a sense, cultivate that along the way. So 
if you cultivate the fruit of the Spirit, being kind-hearted, gracious, patient, by the time you're older, that's the kind of person you'll be. If you cultivate kind of your own desires, if you let anger get a foothold in your life, you will become callous, more cynical, short-tempered, and probably pretty difficult to be around. Now, over the holidays, working in care ministry, I had the privilege of visiting some incredible older saints from our church that aren't able to come on Sundays. And I will tell you, being around these people was a huge blessing. As I could see, their hearts have gotten softer over time. Even though some of them have big limitations, uh, spending time in their presence, you can just see how God continues to soften their heart more and more. Their, their thankfulness level goes up and up, and their prayer ministry, which is their primary ministry now, is incredible to hear that these people pray and, and how that works. They see that as their main purpose right now. So it's, it's been so encouraging to spend time with older people like Simeon, like Anna, who we're going to hear about in a little bit, who are committed to prayer and have a soft heart towards God and others. So Simeon cultivated the right kind of fruit in his life. Verse 25 says he was righteous and devout, eagerly waiting for the Messiah. He had this expectant hope. If you're taking notes this morning, write this down. To hope in Christ is to live expectantly. If you have real hope in Christ, you're going to be expectant that something incredible is going to happen. Real hope in Christ leads, leads to living expectantly. Simeon had been hoping for this his entire life. And not just his lifetime, lifetimes of people before him. There had been no prophet in Israel for 400 years. And Israel had been under the oppression of various foreign powers. And now they were ruled by Herod under the control of Rome. And here he is waiting waiting for the Messiah. It would have been easy for Simeon to just lose hope, get caught up in the hypocrisy of the Jewish leaders, but instead he was righteous and devout and expectant, waiting for the coming of the Messiah. His behavior in God's sight and the way he treated other people, it lined up with God's standards, not because he was incredible on his own, but because he had he had a real heart change. Even prior to the cross, we can see followers of God that had a real heart change and God viewed them as righteous. He was also devout. He led a faithful and careful life. He wasn't careless in his walk with God, but he cultivated faithfulness. So hope in the Messiah caused Simeon to live expectantly. What about us? Are you living a life of expectancy with, with respect to Jesus working in your heart? encourage you to check out the R&R journal, as Pastor Brian mentioned. There's no better way to connect in a relationship, in a friendship with Jesus, than to spend time with him every day, to actually hear from him. I've had, I've mentioned this before, I've had some incredible religious studies professors at multiple schools, some of which didn't actually follow Jesus in a personal way. So it's not just knowledge, it's, it's engaging on a heart level with God. And to sit with your journal in the silence and think, I'm not hearing anything. I didn't, nothing. That's okay. Just stick with it. God is going to honor the time that you spend with Him in His Word. Beginning of the year is a great time to commit to spending time with Jesus together. So as we seek Jesus with expectancy, our faith will be rewarded. That's point two. Expectation and hope in Christ will be rewarded. 
even though this is prior to Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit is going to indwell permanently believers and fill them and empower them, this is before that, and yet Simeon's life is empowered by the Holy Spirit in a way that many Christians may not even know today. So he is rewarded for this expectation. And God's Spirit leads him. He has a powerful experience of God's Spirit. Verse 25 and 26 say that the Holy Spirit was upon him and revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Verse 27 said he was led to the temple by the Spirit. And in verse 34 and 35, he prophesies this. This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. So he's rewarded by the Messiah, by meeting, by meeting the Messiah, but also by having this powerful experience with the Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit and having a deep understanding of the Holy Spirit. Do you think about the Spirit's activity in your life if you're a follower of Christ? If all of a sudden you didn't have the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, I don't think it works that way, that the Spirit seals you and identifies you as God's. He's the promise that God is coming back for us. But if you didn't have the Holy Spirit, would you even notice it? Would you even notice that all of a sudden you didn't have the Spirit's presence? If you make a daily practice of yielding to the Spirit, I think you would notice that. You see, as we yield to the Holy Spirit, what that means is we respond to promptings and nudges. And even more importantly, we depend on the Holy Spirit. We can do all sorts of things in our own, on our own power, in our own power, but we depend on the Spirit. There's a longtime performer professor up in British Columbia named J.I. Packer at Regent College. This is what he says about the Holy Spirit. He said, the Spirit is here to glorify Christ. His main task, main and constant task, is to mediate Jesus' presence to us, making us aware of all that Jesus is, so that we will trust Him to be all of that to us. So the Holy Spirit makes us aware of Jesus' presence, so that we will trust Him. J.I. Packer called this keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. Keeping in the step with the Holy Spirit. And we can do that each day as we depend on Him, learn to hear His voice and respond to those nudges, those gentle leadings of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit helps us resist temptation. He makes God's Word come alive for us. He helps us in decision-making. And He helps us to continue trusting in Jesus. If any of that sounds kind of bizarre to you and you think, hey, I, I accepted Christ, I have the Bible, I've been following, but this whole being led by this, if that doesn't make any sense to you, I invite you to join me in Alpha coming up in January. Begins January 30th. We're going to meet upstairs for about 10 weeks. And the Alpha course is for anybody. If you're exploring the faith, it's a great place to go because we're going to cover the foundational truths of the Christian faith. If you've been a Christian for a long time, it's a great place to go because you're going to get a refresher on some of these things and how you can communicate them to others. If you're uncomfortable around things of the Holy Spirit, we're going to have at least four sessions on that and unpack that a little bit and make it normal and exciting for you. So I encourage you to sign up for Alpha. You can do that on our website. If you've been through Alpha and you want to help as a discussion leader, let me know as well. That's coming up in January. So back to Simeon. He takes Jesus in his arms. And he's just, he's filled with joy and hope because he knows that this 
This is salvation coming. He says this in verse 30. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. So Simeon understood that the Messiah wasn't just about delivering the Jews from oppressors, but that he came to deal once and for all with sin and bring salvation to all nations, to make this available to all people. See, a lot of people at that point in time were expecting Jesus to come like he would in the second coming, to kind of set up his kingdom. But Jesus came the first time with meekness, born as a child, adding humanity to his nature and showing us that God is with us. God is with us through every hurt and pain and struggle, and life isn't always victorious. Yes, Jesus is the victorious king, but he's also the one who experienced what we, what we have in our humanity as well. So, Simeon had this great expectation and joy about the salvation that is coming. This great source of hope that he experienced. As we uh, experience this joy of understanding that Jesus comes to bring salvation, we can receive this, this blessing of Romans 15. This is what the Apostle Paul says in Romans. I pray that God, the source of all hope, will find you complete with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. So as you're looking to the Savior over the holidays, as you look into the new year and you're looking with expectancy as to how Jesus is going to work in your life, it's my prayer that each of you will be complete and filled with joy and peace and confident hope. And this comes from the same Spirit that was leading Simeon. Simeon was also rewarded with a deeper understanding of God's plan for Jesus. Even if you look at Jesus' own parents and then later on his disciples, they didn't have the depth of theological understanding as to what Jesus was there to do. Simeon and Anna, who we're going to see in a little bit, they were rewarded with this deeper understanding of God's plan for Jesus. Simeon understood that this child was the promised one. That's, that not all would welcome him, that there would be some opposition, that he would have to lay his life down. Jesus' disciples were very much caught off guard by the opposition that Jesus faced, and they definitely didn't expect the cross. I think had Simeon been there, he would have understood. He would have understood. Simeon was so excited that salvation was not just for the Jews, but it was for all nations, all people, the Gentiles. This is the great hope that he experienced. Final point. Experience hope by trusting in Jesus. Remember what I said that the Spirit, one of the things the Spirit does is He helps you to keep trusting in Jesus because He helps you feel and experience God's presence so you can keep trusting in Christ. As a follower of Jesus, have you ever been caught off guard by the opposition that you face because you identify with Christ? If you have, I hope that you've experienced an even greater measure of peace and hope in the midst of that. You see, Simeon saw this big picture for the purpose of Jesus, and this perspective gave him comfort. I want to briefly look at, before we close, the account of Anna, also a prophet hanging out in the temple in this account in Luke 2. She also is living expectantly, filled with this incredible hope for the Messiah. Here's a portion of her description in the second part of verse 37 and 38. Before that, it's mentioned that she was a prophet. She was always there in the temple. 
Her husband had died and she was, she was a widow. She was at least 84 years old. And this is what she did. Picking up in the second part of verse 37. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. So she was an Israelite. She was from one of the ten lost tribes that was scattered during the Assyrian captivity. She was a prophetess. She was older. And she could have very easily been remarried and kind of led the life that she wanted to, but instead... She spent her time in the temple praying and fasting. Praying and fasting. Like Simeon, she was looking for the coming of the Messiah. You might be thinking about this 21 days of prayer and fasting that's coming up and think, how am I, how am I going to connect with this? And that's okay. You can start in a variety of different ways, as Pastor Brian mentioned. We'll have a kind of a daily prompting going out on Facebook. There'll be a guide coming up this week that you can look at as you decide how you want to engage with that. Myself, I kind of stumbled into the practice of fasting without planning. In fact, I was just, I just felt overwhelmed and pushed right into it. Here's what happened. My sister went deaf in her early 20s. Tragically went deaf in both, both ears. It was devastating to our family. She was in the last year of her pharmacy degree. And she went deaf in both ears. I couldn't eat. So I was kind of compelled into fasting. My family got together. We prayed together and we fasted. Now thankfully, a couple years later, she got a cochlear implant in one of her ears and can hear out of one ear today. And I've said this before, but all healing is from God. So whether it's from the medical profession or a miracle, that's all because because Jesus is the healer. But my experience with prayer and fasting was that it made me so much more aware of who God was and who I was not and relinquished control. So we don't, it's tough to think through, but we don't, we don't necessarily pray and fast to twist God's arm. And yet he's chosen to work, to partner with us through prayer. So as we pray and fast, I think we're going to see God move. But what's really happening is he's changing us and he's changing our perspective. So I'd encourage you to get involved with that as, as the opportunity comes next week. Um, Johnny, if you want to throw that seminar slide up, we're also going to have a couple of weeks where, where Janice and I will walk you through uh, kind of an understanding, a bit of a Bible overview of fasting and prayer. And then on the second week, some more practical ways that you can engage with that in your own life. That's going to be beginning next week during the education hour from 9 to 9.50. Kids Sunday School is back in session next week as well. So I invite you to join us for that. It's going to be great. Uh, I love what verse 38 says about this woman who's in the temple, Anna. It says this, She was praising God and talking about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Israel. She's praising God and she's talking about Jesus to everyone that she can find. As we've been bringing our thanks to God this morning, as we've been thinking about the good times and the bad times throughout the past year, and as we look forward to a new year and the expectation that comes with that, let's follow Anna's example. Let's be people of prayer. Let's be people of hope. Let's be expectant. Let's praise God and let's tell people 
about Jesus. There's nothing more freeing in your walk with God than just to be able to share Jesus with people. Sometimes a lot of our frustration comes as we we don't actually share Jesus with people. And you can do that in a variety of ways. Uh, but it's, it brings such joy as a follower of Jesus to actually point people to Jesus. Wherever you're at this morning in terms of your faith in Christ, I'd love to chat with you after the service. If you've been thinking about what it could look like this new year to start the new year, um, making Jesus the leader of your life and having him forgive your sin and give you a new start, I'd love to chat with you after the service today. But let's close by committing to hope in Christ with, with, with expectancy. I'm not saying try harder in 2019. I'm, say, I'm saying experience Jesus in 2019. Really know and experience Jesus and let His Spirit guide and lead you and empower you with joy and expectancy. Like Simeon and Anna as they waited and then witnessed Jesus coming to earth. Let's pray this morning. Great God, thank you for your great love for us in sending Jesus to this earth. Jesus, we thank you for taking humanity into your nature, for living a sinless life, for experiencing the things that we experience, but then laying down your life for us. Thank you for defeating sin, death, and the devil. Jesus, we want to follow you wholeheartedly this year. We pray that you would pour out your, your spirit in a powerful way, especially we pray for these 21 days of prayer and fasting, where as a city, as churches in the city, we come together and do this collectively. We pray that we will have an awareness of your great love for us and others through this experience. And I pray for an incredible start to the new year for all of us, filled with the hope that only you can bring Jesus, the Savior of the world. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen.